Roger Williams University is hosting a crisis management seminar on May 3rd at their Providence campus. Crises, whether a natural disaster, cyber attack, or financial instability, can have severe repercussions if not handled properly. This is where crisis management plays a pivotal role. Join Roger Williams' MBA students and expert speakers to learn how to prepare for the unexpected. The program is totally free and open to the public. You can register online at rwu.edu slash events slash crisis management symposium. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. All right, it's Bill Bartholomew with this Bartholomew Town bonus episode. Yesterday, Thursday, October 4th, Rhode Island State and West Greenwich Police executed a search warrant and arrested Rhode Island Compassion Party gubernatorial candidate Ann Armstrong and Attorney General candidate Alan Gordon, netting what they described as 48 pounds of illegally cultivated marijuana. I spoke with Reverend Armstrong just a few hours ago who told me she made her $25,000 bail through donations and is expecting to bail out Mr. Gordon from the ACI this afternoon. She also told me that the two are facing life in prison. And when I asked her if she and Mr. Gordon plan to stay in their respective races, she told me, of course. I'm focused on bailing Alan out today. That's my main goal is get him out of jail before somebody does something to him in there. Gotcha. Well, can you di- give me a description of what happened yesterday as far as this sting that we're, we're just getting vague reports in the mainstream media that there was a sting on your um, your property yesterday? Well, yeah, I mean, um, I live way out in the boonies near, like, uh, where people raise cattle. I'm out in West Greenwich, almost out to the Connecticut line. And so the idea that somebody smelled uh, cannabis coming from my house is absolutely ridiculous. But um, I, what is underlying this all is that, um, so um, I want to phrase this just right. There are people who, for some reason, believe that it's okay to go to any lengths of deceitfulness to prevent people from having cannabis. I don't understand it. Um, I, you know, I when I was younger and we didn't have access to uh, accurate information through multiple channels, I actually fell for it that, you know, it was some dangerous thing and you, you had to be all careful about it. But um, then I learned. And so we're all going to learn now because what happened yesterday is that... It, I want to say, first of all, I have only praise for the way the police conducted themselves. They were restrained. They were professional. They did their job. Even though you could tell they didn't like having to do it, they got a job and, you know, they, they're not authorized. Uh, we should be. I mean, there's, there should be some way for people to say, I don't want to follow that bad order. But these were good people in a bad situation. So they came to my um, you know, the church at 7.30 in the morning, knocked on the door, came in, and I was upstairs sleeping. And... They started yelling that it was police and blah, blah, and so on. And so I got dressed. We, we, um, my grandson was there, and um, this is a separate issue, and Alan was there. And so I went and woke them both up, and um, we all came downstairs, and the police, we talked for a while, and then they took all the cannabis, which was harvested. So um, it wasn't nearly 48 pounds. It was not even... 
you know, it's, it, if you look at the pictures in the paper, there's glass jars. It was curing in glass jars because we had just harvested. And uh, glass, uh, they weigh the glass and then they consider the weight of the glass. So they took like two dozen glass jars that were just, you know, loosely filled to cure. And they weighed all those jars and they said that's 48 pounds. They took the drying rack and the hemp staves and everything and, and they're calling all that. So do that as it may. Um, um, they said we're facing life in prison and whatever. Um, so basically what they, they said there was, somebody complained of the smell of cannabis so they started flying helicopters over the church and took pictures of the cannabis growing in the yard and they say they took pictures of Alan like trimming the cannabis buds off the plant and so um, using that they got a warrant and they came and they took us to jail and I got bailed out last night and Alan's getting bailed out this morning and um, just because we had to raise the money and I'd like to thank everybody that contributed God bless you all um, so um, that's really what happened. Um, we're going to go to court. We're going to explain that the First Amendment to the Constitution and Rhode Island Constitution Article 1, Section 3 specifically protects the Catholic Church and other churches, the Jewish people, Hindu people, and all the other Rastafarians who use cannabis in their religion. That specifically says that Congress, which was created by that document, has no authority to write laws affecting the church. Um, that was affirmed first by Roger Williams, second by George Washington when he um, wrote his letter to Toro Synagogue, and third by our long and proud history in Rhode Island of respect for other people. So um, the church which I represent the, the Hebrew Catholic trunk to all the Catholic churches of valid apostolic succession has been here in Rhode Island since, oh, end of the 1600s at least. And we've always been respected. I mean, they don't go into um, St. Peter and Paul Cathedral with a search warrant and guns and steal the chrism oils from there even though those have cannabis in them, because everybody knows that's church. Now, for a long time, women were driven out of public role in the church by some people who took control that were uh, wicked, I'm sorry to say. It's the people we hear about who were harming children and so on and so forth. And um, one of the major reasons for what seems like absolutely insane opposition to cannabis is because cannabis breaks down all those um, barriers so that people can heal from PTSD and remember things that actually happened to them and not be susceptible to false memory. We went to jail. The jail people were really nice. I happened to be in a holding cell with somebody that was so sick from withdrawal, I just, this, she was tiny, like four foot eight, tiny little person that was just curled up in a ball in the cell shaking and crying. And I, I, I just wanted to help her. Like, I, I, I don't know what to say, I've got to get Alan out of jail so he can go be attorney general 
and fix the laws and fix the way the laws are enforced. And in the meantime, um, there's so many people suffering from heroin addiction and um, Ibogaine and cannabis can absolutely 100% cure that. So, you know, I, I do believe that the people that make a lot of money from selling treatment programs that make people perpetual clients, perpetual victims, um, they're maybe um, threatened by the kinds of things I was proposing. Where is um, Mr. Gordon being held? What kind of situation is he in today? He's at the ACI. And um, the Attorney General's office, very kindly, recognizing that Alan's likely to be their boss in a month, um, (laughs) didn't ask for bail. I mean, they didn't ask to be held without bail. They offered bail, which is very unusual in this sort of a case because, as I said, we are um, facing life in prison. And I'm actually grateful for the opportunity to properly present this case to the courts so that once and for all, non-commercial, private, personal cultivation and use of cannabis in a person's curtilage, meaning in your enclosure of your home and environs there is is no more subject to the law than, you know, um, who you choose to marry. You know, that's personal privacy, and we grant personal privacy to people for a lot of things. For example, there was a famous case, Lawrence v. Texas, because Texas used to say that um, uh, sex between two men was a crime, and some people were caught having sex two men in their house from someone peering in the window. And the court said, no, you know, that's their private curtilage. You can't go looking into somebody's yard to see what they're doing and then bust them for it. I mean, my, um, so, um, he's in jail and he's going to get out today at one thirty. He has bail set and, um, some of the very fine people who I, you know, who I've met in my campaign have offered to help out with the expenses of the bail, and I'm really, really grateful to everyone who's thrown into that. It just means so much to me that people are behind me. My, my last question would be, who told you that you were facing life in prison? Was this some, the police themselves, or did you encounter <coughs> some sort of government uh, attorney general's office personality? When we were um, in court, when we um, were standing in front of the judge, the judge asked what the penalty was, and the prosecutor said life in prison. Wow. Up to, up to life in prison. You know, whatever. Like, the person I copy, the person I emulate, Jesus Christ, was arrested and got the death penalty for exactly what I'm doing. Exactly what I'm doing. And so, like, I'm following in good footsteps, and I'm not afraid. My book says all things work together for the good for those who love the Lord. And so I believe in the big picture. Only good can come with it. Well, you're definitely walking the walk. <clears throat> That's for sure. Try, you know, I'm trying to. And I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. I don't judge anybody. We all make mistakes. And the important thing to do is when you... When you realize you made a mistake, just say, I'm sorry, and stop it, instead of digging in and keep lying about it, you know? That's the part that gets outrageous. Gonna sail on, 
Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Bartholomew Town on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume content. We'll see you next time. Never second guess the things that I've been blessed within me.